Hi, I'm Rowan Smith. I'm the co-head of the Scottish Tourism Group at international law firm CMS. Welcome to episode two of our Scottish Tourism Rebound and Remodel podcast. Thank you for joining us. Great to have you with us. Later in today's podcast, I'll be speaking to David Kemp from Glen Eagles. He will be talking about the highs and lows of 2020 for Glen Eagles, how they'll sit within the hotel's 96-year history, and the steps Glen Eagles have taken to give back to the community. Our Turn to Care. It's a charitable initiative to thank the heroes of the NHS by providing a long-term gesture of one bedroom every night for the next five years. But first, I'm joined by my CMS Scottish Tourism Group co-head, Emma Boffey, and our colleague, Ben Trust. Ben is joint head of our UK litigation and arbitration team. Emma and Ben have recently written a rebound and remodel paper on the lasting effect they anticipate the pandemic will have on the lens which businesses are viewed through. Emma, what prompted you to write the paper? Hi, Roland. 2020 has brought a major sea change in the way that we've all been living. One key impact of the pandemic has been a slowing of daily life and perhaps opportunity for reflection on how things have been and how they should be going forward. We're seeing a growing chorus of change advocating that even when COVID-19 is simply part of our history, life can't go back to the way it was before. I think a brewing consequence of this might be increased scrutiny of the behaviour of businesses, the senior individuals who lead them and the choices that they make. Ben, this is something that's been brewing for many decades. Uh, yes, thanks, Ron. It, it has. But what makes today's modes of scrutiny markedly different are their immediacy and their potential, therefore, for dramatic and swift change. Um, we've all seen the impact of global online campaigns like Me Too, Black Lives Matter and Extinction Rebellion. They show that in a digital world, scrutiny of corporate behaviour can come quickly and forcefully. And sometimes it can pose an existential crisis to an organisation and the individual that lead it. Um, In the UK, the response to the virus has thrown a spotlight on issues that have perhaps been traditionally underrepresented, such as child poverty, access to food and inequality. Uh, These can't just be seen as issues that are only relevant to the government of the day. Businesses are increasingly being seen as having a part to play. And whilst organisations might not think of themselves as part of the problem directly, Silence or ignorance can be misinterpreted and can lead to the perception that businesses are part of a bigger problem indirectly, in my view. That's right, then. It's pretty clear to me, at least, that what we've seen to date is probably only the warm-up act for greater and more powerful scrutiny of corporate behaviour. In this climate, the way organisations operate and behave is going to be poured over like never before. So what does that mean for hospitality and tourism businesses in Scotland, Emma? Well, Roland, this winter inevitably is going to see a quieter season for Scottish tourism than in previous years. What that does is give businesses time to do a stock take, if you like, and think about some of these key issues. In many ways, the tourism sector has an advantage over other industries in that it already has a deep connection with its customers. But I think it's no longer just about understanding your own customer base. Anyone can now influence the standing of your brand. So intelligence is currency in this charged atmosphere, understanding who is watching you, 
their priorities and the ways they communicate is also crucial. I think communication by businesses themselves is also key, Roland. They have to think harder about how they explain their purpose, both internally and externally. And it's also then about transparency and ownership of that purpose. How do your staff, suppliers and other stakeholders live your purpose in practice? Do they really own it? Ben, how important do you think employee engagement is going to be in all this? My view is that we're going to start seeing a new wave of employee scrutiny. Um, Back office functions in tourism business, for example, handling booking reservations and dealing with the financial accounts are often being fulfilled by people who have been working from home for a very, very long time now. That space away from their traditional working environment might shine a light on previous toxic cultures and other unacceptable behaviours in their workplaces. And that space might also empower those affected to belatedly come forward regarding some historic uh, conduct. And how businesses have been responding to the virus will, I think, also come under a lot more scrutiny. Organisations that have been prioritising profits over employee well-being by, for example, failing to financially support staff who are self-isolating are probably going to be early targets of this uh, issue. As the Scottish hospitality sector is well aware, corporate travel and corporate entertainment were early victims of the pandemic. I think we may well see previous spending and largesse in this area come under scrutiny from current and former employees wanting to shine a light on that uh, historic corporate culture. Hotels and other venues are themselves probably going to be, have to be a bit more careful and questioning about the events that they rent out space for. You only need to look at the negative reaction to the Financial Times expose about the President's Club charity dinner in London a couple of years ago to see why that's increasingly important. The treatment of suppliers, and particularly those SME suppliers, of whom there are so many in the Scottish tourism uh, sector, is also likely to attract increased attention in my view. Yes, and in many ways, I think the pandemic has amplified a shift that had already begun. It's that combination of increased time, anxiety and reflection on what we want the world to look like after the pandemic that's going to result in a highly effective and powerful quasi-audit function. And corporate social responsibility is going to continue to grow in importance? Yes, I definitely agree with that, Roland. I'd argue that the pandemic has amplified its message beyond what a decade ago might have been seen by some organisations as a lesser priority, um, operating perhaps in a silo separate to core operations. It's now seen as something absolutely critical and crucial to get right, And I think it's not just about sending staff out to paint fences, for example, anymore. It's a wider notion of doing good and being a good corporate citizen. For tourism businesses, that includes thinking about the impact higher visitor numbers might have on your local community and what measures you can sensibly take to mitigate that impact. Yeah, most organisations, in my experience, want to operate lawfully and ethically. But now I think the expectation is for businesses and their leaders to go much further and use their power and influence for the greater good, giving back to society and achieving a broader purpose and social value. Ben, this is something that's going to have to be pretty ingrained into the DNA of businesses going forward. Oh, definitely. Um, Acting with a sense of social responsibility and authenticity to your purpose is now critical to building and maintaining public trust in your offering. Uh, And as mentioned, communicating that effectively is also key A business may well have taken a number of laudable steps in response to a crisis such as the pandemic, but unless those are communicated effectively, both inside and outside the business, the risk remains that a perceived lack of action can translate to increased and potentially adverse scrutiny. We're currently in a febrile and anxious atmosphere, and one misstep in the handling of a strategy and its communication can spark a reputational challenge, 
brand and, uh, and reputation contribute on average more than 40% of a company's market value. So even aside from this notion of being seen to do the right thing, it is fast becoming something that many organisations simply can't afford to get wrong. Yes, and in the court of public opinion, just because something is legally and financially possible doesn't necessarily mean it's the right judgment call for that organisation. Definitely a lot of food for thought in all this. What would your overall message be to businesses facing what can sometimes feel like a hostile and ever-changing landscape? I'd say, ask yourself, what is your purpose collectively and individually? Is the purpose of your business purely measured in profit or do you assess it using a more nuanced set of performance behaviours? For example, the impact on your local community, the environment, job creation and well-being of your staff. The best strategies, in my experience, have a clear vision and set out how that vision will be delivered. To work, I find your vision needs to permeate not just at the top of the leadership of your organisation, but throughout your ranks, including your employees, the local community and your suppliers. Your vision also needs to take into account the impact on the environment and your vision should also make clear that you're willing to be held to account and be scrutinised by all those various stakeholders. I think that being ready and prepared for the new waves of scrutiny on corporate and individual behaviours, that's likely to be the best form of defence. Engaging now with all your stakeholders to identify issues will ensure light is shone upon issues which might have gone long dormant. Um, with the public's easy access to online media, matters that were previously limited to internal dialogue can now quickly spiral out into this highly charged atmosphere. They say that light is nature's disinfectant. Well, we think transparency can be its digital equivalent. And in a year of uncertainty, what is certain going forward is that a culture of increased corporate scrutiny is here to stay. My CMS Scottish Tourism Group co-head Emma Boffey and Ben Truss, joint head of our UK litigation and arbitration team. Up next on today's podcast, I'm joined by David Kemp from Glen Eagles. David, I think it would be fair to say you're a well-kent face in the Scottish tourism industry. Indeed, Roland. Um, good morning. Um, yeah, I, I joined Glen Eagles um, back in 2001. Um, I've been FD uh, for a while, um, Joint Managing Director, and I'm just in the process now of transitioning from an exec role into um, a, a non-exec role. Certainly, we've seen uh, many highs and lows. I joined a couple of weeks before 9-11. We, we then had uh, a dip um, in American business, followed by recovery. Uh, we then had the Iraq War back in 2003, another dip, uh, followed by recovery. Certainly, we know that the hospitality industry is cyclical. Uh, that, that was followed by the banking crisis uh, and the debt crisis, 2008-10, another dip, another recovery. We then had the exciting opportunity of hosting the Ryder Cup in 2014. Uh, we went through an acquisition in 2015 where, when we were acquired by Ennismore. Uh, again, we had the privilege of hosting the Solheim Cup in 2019. And of course, now we have another another crisis um, that we're right in the middle of uh, with uh, with the virus. Perhaps you could describe the, the Glen Eagles experience to, to someone who hasn't been there before. We're, we're a large hotel in, um, in Perthshire. We, we have 233 rooms. Uh, we have a large timeshare business by the name of Glenmore. 53 homes, which amounts to 150 beds. So getting on for 400 beds across the resort. Uh, we have a very large food and beverage business, about six uh, restaurants, three bars, three championship golf courses. 
Um, a vast array of activities as well, shooting, fishing, equestrian, falconry, off-road driving, gun dog training, to name but a few. And we have about a thousand employees to uh, deliver all of that. One piece of very, very current news as well is that um, we were extremely pleased to be awarded um, a prestigious award on the 13th of November, the day that we closed for the second time. This is, is an award voted on by the readers of the Times and the Sunday Times in the category of the best luxury hotel in the world. That's great news. Um, you, you talked uh, as well about Glen Eagles becoming part of the Ennismore family. That was back in uh, 2015. That led to a rebranding of Glen Eagles from its old mantle of Palace of the Glens to the more modern, the glorious playground. What was the thinking behind that? That's correct. Yeah. So we were owned by Diageo. We were acquired by Ennismore. It couldn't have been a bigger transition. Ennismore is a family-led business, um, entrepreneurial, very much focused on, on the long term of the business. They have incurred substantial investment in the hotel, bedrooms, bars and restaurants, function rooms and the gym. Um, certainly looking back until 1980, the hotel used to close um, in the winter months. Um, and it was traditionally a place for individual guests to, to visit and have fun. And it started in the Roaring Twenties, following our opening after the First World War. We'd probably become quite corporate and had a reputation, not from our customers, as a golf hotel and quite stuffy. The reputation wasn't justified. Um, a lot more takes place at Glen Eagles other than golf. And in fact, it's very relaxed and friendly. So Ennismore really focused the investment on uh, design and branding and shifting the focus from large corporate spaces for conferences to bespoke spaces for celebrations, smaller gatherings and individual leisure. For example, we used to have one bar and we now have three bars plus a new lounge for afternoon tea. Other things changed as well, such as bespoke uniforms to reflect the individual spaces. So, so the glorious playground branding really recognised the shift in focus towards leisure and fun and the sheer variety of things to do, not just golf and a nod back to the 1920s heritage. 2020, it's obviously been a difficult year for everyone in the Scottish tourism industry. How has it been so far for Glen Eagles? Well, it's, it's, it's been extremely challenging. Um, I think everybody has their own lockdown story. Uh, this is ours. It began in January. Very little concern. You know, the virus was something that was happening somewhere else. In February and March, our individual business was still strong, but our corporates were beginning to ask questions about what happened if. And then, of course, we got into March and we were ordered to close on the 23rd of March. Glen Eagles is, is quite a steady and predictable business, but suddenly everything changed. First of all, we had to secure the building and work out how to maintain and take care of the empty asset. And then really, we can, we can think about four areas. The first one is the communication with guests. We probably had to speak to over 10,000 guests, members, owners of, of, of our Glenmore homes about their forward bookings. And of course, we didn't know when, when we would reopen. So there was a great deal of uncertainty over that. Then we had to manage the finances. Cash was a real problem. First of all, we had no income. The tills had stopped ringing. Our costs had continued, though. So, so money was going out of the door. On top of that, our creditors were a little quicker at picking up the phone and asking for payment. And then finally, our customers were wanting us to repay them advance deposits. So, so, so cash was a real focus. We worked really hard to reduce costs where we could, and we worked with our suppliers, but, but we really recognised that suppliers are partners to us. They were hurting too, and we really wanted to reassure them that we would be there with them on the other side. 
Thirdly, there was a lot of um, legal unraveling. All of the contractual basis of operation that normally operates so smoothly came to an abrupt halt. Contracts fell apart, supply, group event contracts, leases, one by one. I've never examined the uh, the force majeure clause um, as closely as I have done in the last year. Our projects stopped, restarted um, and stopped again. And then, of course, we had many conversations with our, um, our timeshare owners over their rights and obligations. And really, despite the challenges, we found that uh, collaboration with our guests, our suppliers and partners worked to find solutions in every cases. And then finally, um, our people, um, our people were suddenly out of the business. Uh, they didn't know when they would come back. Uh, we established online forums uh, to connect while we were away. Our chefs were posting recipes. Um, our non-chefs were posting recipes that were pretty good. And our gym instructors were posting um, online exercise routines. So, so we kept in touch with our people while, while we were closed. So incredibly busy, things suddenly got a little bit quieter. And then Fergus Ewing announced the plan to reopen on the 15th of July. We opened on that day, the first day that we could. And of course, normally we would have um, a busy order book in July, August and September. But we had very little business on the books because of all of the uncertainty. So it started fairly slowly, but then it suddenly built up. Um, the business of Glen Eagles really falls into four categories, overseas business, leisure groups, and um, domestic business, leisure and groups. There was no um, overseas business. Uh, there was no um, corporate group business. So, so the only segment of those four segments that we had was um, domestic leisure business. But in August and September, that was very strong, simply because uh, there was a pent-up demand and the restrictions that were in place over international travel. So we did pretty well in August and September, um, a completely different shape of business. Then, of course, travel restrictions in the UK began to um, emerge. And as we moved into October, our business levels dipped because of that. Then, of course, Perth and Kinross was, uh, was moved into Tier 3 from the 13th of November. And that meant that it was illegal for anybody to travel into or out of Perth and Kinross uh, for, uh, for non-essential purposes. That, that really meant that, that we had no business and we were forced to close again. So we're going through the same sequence that we went through before. And uh, we have set a target date now to reopen on the 1st of February. We really hope that, that the guidelines will um, allow us to do that. It's a real shame that, that there will be, uh, be no Christmas at Glen Eagles this year. It's a highlight of our calendar, but it, it would be impossible to stage um, our, our, um, our usual Christmas. So we're closed again, hoping to reopen on, on the 1st of February. We've been talking today in the podcast about corporate social responsibility. That's something that I know is close to Glen Eagle's heart. Yes, Roland, it's extremely close to our heart. I mean, we're, we're, we're a people business and um, we feel that having a very solid CSR agenda is important to us. We tend to break it down into three areas. We support local causes. Currently, we're, we're supporting Anchor House, which is a um, homelessness charity in Perth. And for the last 10 years, we've supported Big Tree Country, which is a charity to uh, support woodland conservation projects in Perthshire. And you know, Glen Eagles and our guests have raised over £250,000 for that charity in the last 10 years. 
So that's at the local level. Uh, we also uh, operate at the um, industry level. A very current example of this is the, uh, the Andrew Fairley Scholarship. Andrew Fairley was a chef. He opened his restaurant at Glen Eagles in the year 2000. He quickly attained uh, two Michelin stars, the, the only restaurant in Scotland to um, attain that status. Andrew very sadly passed away in um, January 2019. Andrew was uh, the very first Rue Scholar. Prior to him passing, he was working with uh, the, uh, the Hospitality Industry Trust, HIT, which is our, our industry charity, to establish um, a new scholarship. In 2019, Glen Eagles decided to work with HIT Scotland to actually create the very first Andrew Fairley um, scholarship. That um, scholarship was funded jointly by HIT Scotland, the Scottish Government and Glen Eagles. The scholarship gives industry-wide recognition as Andrew Fairley scholars. The scholars experience a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, such as an opportunity to work in international kitchens, placements at the Culinary Institute of America and at Restaurant Andrew Fairley, and the chance to cook at Butte House. Uh, last year, the um, inaugural scholarships were awarded to Emma Rose Milligan, age 24, from Kilmarnock, and Joseph Hart, also age 24, from um, Aberdeenshire. So Andrew was, was a really um, treasured part of the Glen Eagles family. And in terms of our position at Glen Eagles, we believe that this scholarship is a fitting and lasting tribute to Andrew's life and achievements. So that's a good example of uh, an industry CSR initiative. And then turning to um, a national initiative, Our Turn to Care. We announced this initiative in July. It's a charitable initiative to thank the heroes of the NHS by providing a long-term gesture of one bedroom every night for the next five years to um, healthcare workers. We're extremely keen to express our appreciation to those who continue to work selflessly through the pandemic. Glen Eagles has a relationship with, uh, with healthcare workers stretching back over 80 years. The only other time that we were forced to close was uh, during the Second World War, when we closed our doors and we were transformed into a military hospital. So it really felt appropriate to support this global crisis too. The scheme will give thousands uh, of those individuals something to look forward to, a little bit of pampering and the chance to be on the receiving end of excellent care for a change. So we're, we're working with, again, the Hospitality Industry Trust, who are um, administering the scheme and are working directly with 14 NHS health boards and partners across Scotland to um, distribute complimentary um, stays at Glen Eagles. That's great. Thank you. Thank you, David. This is just a close going to be a bit of a quieter year for Glen Eagles than usual, as you were alluding to earlier. It's, it's certainly going to be a, um, uh, a quiet close to the year. We usually finish with with a bang um, at, at the festive time. It's a huge um, house party at the hotel. Regrettably, that 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 will not be happening this year. We really are hoping that we can open on on the first of February. A lot of learnings, actually, as we as as we look forward to um, 2021. Certainly, we we are now providing flexibility for our bookings, uh, and and I think that'll be a thing of the future. Agility is key. Uh, we've, we've seen that we really need to um, direct our business to uh, the markets that, that are strong. And we need to reinterpret our spaces. We, we, we have um, converted our, our summer houses to, uh, to private dining spaces for families. We've um, created new activities that, that are suitable for um, uh, the situation that we're in, such as kayaking. So um, agility will be key. 
and certainly some of the shifts that 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 we've made over the last year i'm sure will will become permanent such as the emphasis on um, hygiene and safety and also the emphasis on on technology such as as, uh, as virtual guides so um as we look forward, uh, we, we, we have to be confident. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there will be a pent-up demand. I think the reshaping of our business and the direction of our business to individual customers uh, will probably place us in a stronger position. Our, our rural location as well, we, we would hope, would, would, uh, would help us bounce back. We certainly hope, as we look forward beyond the 1st of Feb, um, as the vaccinations come into effect, that there will also be a corporate bounce back and of course, we would love to see in the long term the return of international customers. Thank you very much, David. That was fascinating, Roland. Such a good example of how a business can play a positive part in its community. So thank you, everyone, for joining us on today's podcast. We'd love to hear what you think about the issues we've talked about today. You can email Roland at roland.smith, that's R-O-L-A-N-D dot S-M-Y-T-H at CMS dash cmno.com and my email address is emma.boffey that's e-m-m-a dot b-o-f-f-e-y at cms dash cmno.com you can also find Roland and I on Twitter and LinkedIn CMS are proud to be lawyers acting for some of the Scottish tourism industry's key contributors and we're keen to help the sector through these challenging times If there's anything we can help you with, please do get in touch. See you next time.